Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This is the show where we explore the mechanics of the music industry through intimate conversations on creativity and biography episodes which explore the lives of iconic artists. Before I go into today's artist, I want to slightly apologise to my voice because I'm a little bit ill, so you might be able to hear that, but the show must go on as with music. <laughs> Dionne Warwick, one of the most remarkable singers to have lived, I believe that, a woman who had a gift and put it to the best possible use. In partnership with Hal David and Burt Bercharak, she delivered some of the most timeless and emotive songs of all time and has had a career spanning over 60 years. She's basically the Queen Victoria of singers. And this is A Lesson in Grace by Dionne Warwick. Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. Dionne Warwick grew up with music. The daughter of a choir manager and a chef come record promoter, she was born in 1940 in New Jersey. She had a fairly traditional upbringing, which involved lots of prayer and church going. It was in church where she first found her voice, like so many great singers. Her family were a tight unit and there was a lot of love there. She left school aged 19 to pursue a career in music full time. Her mother, Lee Drinkard, managed a well-known gospel group called the Drinkard Singers, who Dion describes as the best singers who ever lived. One of the group members was a woman called Sissy. Remember the name? The Drinkard Singers were quite well known in New York through both performing and recording. They performed on a show called TV Gospel Time when Dion was with the group, and that was her introduction to television and media. They were successful to a level that Elvis Presley actually requested they become part of his performing entourage. Essentially, though, the majority of their work outside of church was as background singers in recording sessions and performances. Dion's big moment came in 1962 when she was 22 years old. She was performing backing vocals in a recording session with Burt Bercharach, and he tuned into her voice. He'd been struggling to find a vocalist who could successfully sing his melodies, which were quite complex, and when he heard Dion singing, he thought she might be able to. The pair began working together, but Dion's role was, at this stage, just to be the voice of Bert's songwriting demos. When he sent one of those demos into Scepter Records, the president of the label famously said, forget the record, get the girl. And that was the beginning of one of the most remarkable musical pairings the world has ever seen. Dion, Hal, who was the writer, who was the lyricist, and Bert, the melody man, worked together to deliver 15 albums over a 10-year period. I've noticed from studying artist release patterns for this podcast that a lot of these iconic artists had really huge bodies of work, and there might be only a handful of songs which endured, but I think if you're an artist looking at the volume of that output, it's something to learn from. You know, no matter how genius a combination of producer, artist, writer, you still have to really create a large volume of material to get those tracks which exist on the level of a song like Living on a Prayer, for example. Hal David and Burt Backrack wrote songs for Dionne Warwick. And nobody can sing those songs but Dionne Warwick. Another thing I want to mention before I call out some of the specific tracks which came out of that period between the beginning of the 60s and the beginning of the 70s is that the formation of a solid partnership. If you listen to the interview I did with Naomi Kimpenyu, she spoke about that being the next fundamental piece of the puzzle for her as an artist and songwriter. And it can be really powerful. 
The beauty of Amy Winehouse's releases, Sade's releases, the uniqueness of Missy Elliott's material generally came out of great collaborations. So, in case you aren't super familiar with Dionne Warwick's music, I just want to call out some of the singles which have been key to her legacy. The first big one was, Don't Make Me Over. This soulful lover's appeal was Dionne's breakthrough hit. Released in 1962, it went into the US chart at number 21. The following year saw the release of my personal favourite Dionne Warwick song, Anyone Who Had a Heart. I think Hal David did a really phenomenal job with the lyrics here, tapping into a relatable human experience, but using words in an angle which feels somehow so unique. It's kind of spinning rejection and making it the craziness of the rejecter. Less than a year later came Walk On By, which went to number six in the US Billboard charts and number nine in the UK. In the same period of time, Dion released the first recording of I Say A Little Prayer and also Do You Know The Way To San Jose, which won her a Grammy Award. Famously, she did not love that song initially. Could you, could you share with us what it was that you held so fast, that you hated about this song? Well... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I mean, they... They've been writing such prolific, wonderful words for me to say. Yes. Hal David, I feel, is probably the best lyricist of our time. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he's written songs that will live long after we're all gone. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> I got to the point where they would play songs for me, and if I said I hated it, that would be the so single. They'd say you have to do that. No, they, that would be the single. That's the Definitely. single. Absolutely. That's always the way. I was How never did it criteria. feel, though, darling? How did you feel when you... What did As you maybe feel? you sense there in that clip, by the end of the 60s and around the time that this song was released, the strength of the creative bond between the three of them had started to wane, and it was time for them to work with different people and create different art. For Dion, who, by the way, released her last original single in 2019, that meant a new record deal with Warner who she released four studio albums with through the 70s. This period was a test of Dion's resilience, I think, though she has too much grace to focus on it. The albums just didn't perform commercially anything like her previous material. Most critics seem to reflect on that material that Dion was great, but the records just weren't. But she kept singing, she kept recording, and then in 1978, the iconic Clive Davis and A&R and the man at the helm of Arista Records turned his attention to Dion and decided she would be a key part of Arista. He apparently said to Dion at this point, you may be ready to give the business up, but the business is not ready to give you up. He teamed her up with producer Barry Manilow and they recorded and released the album Dion, which put Warwick back in the spotlight and the top of the charts. She also did TV work as a show host through the early 80s, putting that star power to a different use. Since then, Dion literally hasn't stopped. While the defining era of her career will always be the 60s, her releases and presence on screens and in radios continues to this day. So, some interesting things to know about Dion Warwick. Well, firstly, I mentioned the name Sissy at the start of this episode. Sissy was the mother of Whitney Houston. Whitney was also picked up by Clive Davies, so arguably we have Dion to thank, not only for her own songs, but indirectly for those of Whitney Houston as well for connecting those dots. 
In less fun news, in 2013, Dion filed for bankruptcy due to millions in mispaid taxes. Despite the many millions of records she'd sold, without good tax returns, you can still end up in trouble. And it sounds like, in Dion's case, it was largely down to early errors caused by a financial advisor, which were never resolved, and so ended up with interest taking the outstanding amount to an unrepayable cost. So guys, don't forget that fame does not equal lots of money. You have to be savvy and you have to own that as a separate part of your job. For many years, she lived in Brazil, saying that as a place, it echoed her values more closely than the US. She said, family and the importance of not being denigrated because you happen to love God. She felt Brazil was a safer space that aligned more closer with her values. She was married once and they had two children together, but the marriage didn't last. And she was quoted as saying in an interview, I was the major earning power and it was too much to bear for my husband. Weren't you young and yeah. very ambitious to do that? Always. <laughs> you know me. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, what are some lessons we can learn from Dion? Well, firstly, on technique and versatility, she was considered one of the greatest. So study her songs and her singing and learn from that. Another one that I mentioned at the start was around grace. She was always described as graceful and elegant. She had a powerful sense of self-worth combined with low ego. One example of this is when, on her first album release ever, the record label spelt her name wrong on the copies. But instead of being angry, she changed her name and adopted the new name and the new spelling of Warwick. She wasn't offended. She applied grace and she carries a name for the rest of her career. I used to go to see people that were in a place that I wanted to be. And you were performing at the Persian Room at the Plaza Hotel in New York City. And I remember vividly going there with my notebook. <laughs> yeah, I considered going to see people like Diane and Lena Horne and Ella Fitzgerald, my classes. And that's where I learned my craft. I sat in the back of the room, and I remember it like it was yesterday, you moved in a certain place on your stage and the spotlight came right to the table and I was furiously writing. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember her saying, little girl, what are you doing? (laughs) I love that clip because the idea of someone really, really studying what it takes to be great I think is something that many people would keep a secret, like taking that notebook out and making notes. But that's what it takes. You don't just naturally walk on stage and be an incredible performer. You have to learn how to do it. Finally, one of her enduring records was the song That's What Friends Are For with Elton John, Gladys Knight and Stevie Wonder. And Gladys Knight spoke about how friendship was so important to Dion and to Gladys herself. The music industry can be a really competitive place and that can leave you feeling isolated and alone. Building relationships within it can tear that down. And Gladys said what they did was help each other out. When it was going well for one, they would kind of cover the other. And when it was going wrong for the, well for the other, then they would kind of reverse that. Friendship will help you through everything. Thanks for listening, guys. And thank you, Dion, for your magnificent voice and beautiful songs and the message of love that you bring through and your power in your femininity. Have a great week, everyone. Every single recording that I've made... I remember every single I've made, I remember, Um, whether they were hits or not. uh, I equate my recordings as my children. 
you know, and people always ask you, what's your favorite song? Uh, all of them, every single one of them happens to be my favorite. Yes. You know, you can't distinguish your favorite child, no. you know, and, and that's the way I feel. And some wonderful things are accompanied each song. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're all favorites. I understand favorites. that completely. What up, Lex? <laughs> <laughs> Lex. Hi. Hi.